0: Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. I love sharing Torah thoughts, ideas, and messages in all of its wonderful parts and facets. Baruch Hashem, today, this is easier than ever before. Please enjoy the following class and the rest of them on my podcast. And follow in order to receive updates daily. Also, Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends, family, and neighbors so they could enjoy as well. Now let's move on and learn and grow together. Okay, let's go. Today's Gitin is daftest. We are beginning at the bottom of Chesimot Bays, as is Hashem, we're going to have really two sections of today's daft. first section is going to be a conclusion from yesterday's sugya, where we discussed the makhlaikis rava and abaye uh, but regarding palgin and dibure. We'll finish up the mishnah, so discussing the case of imyeshal of ayurin at the end of our mishnah. And then we'll discuss, bring we'll introduce the new mishnah towards the bottom of Tesmud Aleph, um, where we compare gitin and shechure avadim going to see that's a discussion that will take us into the next daf that discusses uh, the similarities between and then we'll ask to determine exactly what the list is based on. So let's begin. We're at the, holding at the bottom of Chesimut Beis. Uh, four lines from the bottom of Chesimut uh, Beis. Four lines, right? Chesemud beis, Ches, Chesemud beis. Bottom of the page. So yesterday we learned that there was a case. Just to quickly recap, what we're holding here. We had a brisa that said like this: If somebody, the halacha is that if an isha walks into court and says, "My husband gave me this get, Medina Sayyam, and she's bringing it to Eretz Yisrael, she has to be able to say b'funi nachtav, and then it's acceptable. We said that the gittin for slaves, which are the freemen freeing documents of slaves, is the same. Which means if they bring a court a document from overseas, and the they, the eved brings it to the courts in Eretz Yisrael and says funny not, funny not, they're freed. Now, where they walk into court, let's say an eved will walk into court. This was the Bryce's case. The eved walks into court and the brings a document and the document says it said. Yourself and my property are acquired to you. So there's two separate statements. In such a scenario, the Reisipaskian, and then everybody agreed, the slave is free, but he doesn't own the property of the master. Why? Because in order for the slave to be free, he's trusted if he says But in order for him to acquire the estate of the master, you need shtars, you need validation of the document. And they don't have that. The debate we had between Abaye and Rava was in a scenario where there's no two statements in the document, there's just one statement. Meaning, in the document, all it says is, All of my property is acquired to you. So, in such a scenario, we had a debate are we able to divide up that one statement into two understandings and then deal with the separate understanding separately? Or do we say no? Is that since the status of the slave, acquiring himself, as well as the property of the master seems to be lumped together, we can't split up the two statements. So either he acquires everything or he acquires nothing. Now, Abaye took that first, that second approach. Abaye said, lo'i palginan dibura, we do not split up the statement, and therefore either he'll acquire himself and the property, or he won't acquire the property or himself, and the slave's not free. Rava says palginan dibura, we do split up the statement, and since we split up the statement, he's able to acquire his freedom even though he does not acquire the estate of the master. Now that's a chiddush and halacha. To say that one statement can be interpreted in two different ways. One of them will be acceptable and it won't affect the fact that the other one will not be accepted. He won't acquire the property of the master. So on that note, Ravada Barmasna is about to challenge the fact that we don't seem to pask in this way. So Amr Ravada Barmasna, Kimad. Amr Ravada Barmasna, So Ravada Barmasna said to Rava, Kimad. And who do you seem to be following in this Pesach, Rabbi Shimon? You seem to be following the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. To Amar, because Rabbi Shimon says, that you can divide up one statement into two interpretations. One of them can be acceptable, effective, and the other one not. Where do we find this? There's a Mishnah, Maseches, Peah. So the Mishnah, Maseches, Peah says as follows. The, Tzinan, the Mishnah teaches us, if you have a master, and he writes a prop, a, a document, this master really likes his slave. He writes a document to his slave that says, I'm giving all my property to my Eved. Now, all my property includes the Eved. Eved is also my property. So that means what will be the halacha? Yatzeh ben Chayrin. The slave goes free. By the way, not only does the slave go free, he also acquires all the properties. That's a, he, he had he hit lottery what, what the lottery over here. the Baal yeah, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what his is. But you're going to see the contrast to that in a minute. But where he writes all of his property unequivocally, without any uh, conditions, slave goes free, for sure. But this is Reb opinion. She'er karka kol shahu. Now, if he leaves over a little bit of property, so that means is, he writes in the document, I'm giving you all of my property besides for something. A little bit. Something little. Um... Rashi understands it doesn't mean specifically karka, land. It could be anything. But he leaves over any specific item. He leaves it over. la Yatza ben chayrin, he does not go free. Now, this is Ramayr's opinion. Why does Rameer say, if he leaves over... means he writes everything besides for one item. Why is that 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 wouldn't go free? So Rashi understands because the fact that he's leaving over one item shows that the master's intention is to leave certain things over. Now, if he really intended to free the slave he should have been more explicit, and he should have said, you are free, that's the words of Rashi, you and my property should be acquired by you. The fact that he's leaving over some of his property that is not to be acquired by the slave implies that he might also want to leave over the slave to not acquire himself as well. And Rashi understands, so then why why would he be doing this? What is this procedure? To write over something that's ineffective, it's just to flatter the slave. He just wants to show the slave how much he cares for him, I would give you all my property. I'm not going to give you all my property. But he's just doing it to flatter the slave. So therefore, a mayor's opinion is if he leaves over something, he gives him everything besides one thing, something, he doesn't even mean to give the slave his own freedom. The only reason he's doing it is to flatter him. Because if he did mean to give him his freedom, he would have been more explicit and he would have said, you and my property should be acquired by you. The fact that he didn't say that explicitly, says Rehmeyer, the slave does not go free. And that's the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says, Rabbi Shimon says, Rabbi Shimon says, regardless of the scenario, meaning if he leaves over some property, the slave is going to go free. Unless he uses the following terminology in the, in the document. He says, all of my property is given to my slave, uh, Yankel, Besides for one ten thousandth of the property. Now that's a very vague terminology. One ten thousandth of the property. So Rashi understands what Rishim is saying is like this. If he says, um, in, the, in the document, it says, I want my slave to be free, to, excuse me, I'm giving over all my property to my slave, besides for one chair or one piece of land. In all of those cases, the slave is free. That's what Rabbi Shimon holds. The only case he wouldn't be free, says Rabbi Shimon, if he used a vague terminology of what he was leaving out of the acquisition, meaning he said, I'm, leaving, I'm giving everything to my slave besides for one ten-thousandth of my property. See, when he says one ten-thousandth, it could be, in his mind as the master, the slave is considered one ten-thousandth of his property. So then, it could be what he's really saying is, "I'm giving you everything besides for yourself." No, if I don't give you yourself, well, then you don't acquire anything, yeah, because meaning it's yeah, but it's 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 a statement with a contingency, meaning with a condition. Is that what he's saying? Is I'm acquiring everything to you besides for one ten thousandth? By saying that, Rashi understands. Rabbi Shimon means to say that. I'm not even acquiring you to yourself because maybe the 110,000 that he's leaving out is the slave's own freedom and since it's the slave's own freedom Mamela the slave doesn't even go free he doesn't acquire anything that's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon now That's the end of the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. So Rashi goes on to explain now how do we see from Rabbi Shimon Dibura? we split up the statements because he says like this, as opposed to a scenario where he leaves something over specifically, meaning where the master wrote over, I'm giving you everything besides for one piece of land. Rabbi Shimon would say he goes free in that case, meaning the halacha is the slave goes free. If If he says it besides for one piece of land or if he said all of my property should be should go to you or or if he, he says something that would not acquire all of the property for example where he says kor karka that's the key rashi says besides or if he says i'm acquiring everything to you besides for one core of karka besides for one strip of land so in such a scenario again the slave would go free according to Rabbi Shimon. The only time he wouldn't go free is, what he, if, is if he left something out that was entirely vague. But if he said, I'm leaving out one strip of land, the slave would still go free, even though he doesn't acquire any of the property because we don't know which piece of property the slave wasn't meant to acquire. But the point is, what do you see? Rabbi Shimon says we can split the statements in half is that on one hand we could say, the slave acquires his freedom, that's what we can extrapolate from it, but he doesn't acquire any of the property. So you see Rabbi Shimon's of the opinion, palgin and dibura. We can split up a statement, half of it could be fulfilled, the other half could not be. So says Radha Barmasna to Rova, it seems like you follow the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. The problem is, v'ha'amor of Yosef Barmenyomi, amor of Nachman. Rabbi Yosef Barmenyomi, in the name of Rabbi Nachman said, afalpi shekilis Rabbi even though Rabbi Yaisi praised this opinion of Rabbi Shimon, he said that it's beautiful what Rabbi Shimon is saying, but nonetheless, halachiki Rabbi Meir. The halacha follows the Tanakama, Rabbi Meir, not the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. The Tanya, as the Brisa teaches, Kishinem, Rodivar, Mufne Rabbi Yaisi, when these words were said in front of Rabbi Yaisi, means this Machloikis, Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Shimon, Korah <speaking in Hebrew> Mikraze. So Rabbi Yossi referred to Rabbi Shimon using the following Pusak in Mishle, and he gave him great praise, which was, "Sifasayim Yishak, his lips should be kissed, Meaning, is that he said something wonderful. Meishiv He responded with clear words. Meaning, is that Rabbi Shimon said something which is beautiful in Svara. The problem is, is that ultimately the Gemara is saying, Rabbi Yasef Yom Rav Nachman said, Rabbi doesn't paskin like him. So, if Rabbi Shimon holds Balgin Dibura, and Rava seems to be following his shita, that's not the psak Halacha. So it comes out that Rava's not Paskining according to Halacha. So the Gemara interjects and says, wait a second. Nachman hachi. Did Rav Nachman really say that we don't pass like Rabishim Shem and Palginan and Dibura that we split the words in half? V'ha'amr of Yosef bar Yumi, amr of Nachman. It's the same exact author, but he himself says the following case, which seems to illustrate like Palgin and Dibura. Because what do we? Excuse me. That we do say Palgin and Dibura. We do split up statements. So how can you say that we pass like Rameir that we don't split up statements if it seems to be from the following p'sak? You yourself say we do. What's the p'sak? Psak is like this. We have a halacha of a shchiv meirah. shchiv meira is a man who's dying on his deathbed. So now there's certain halachas that pertain to this fellow based on his unique state. Certain halachas. So now one of the halachas is like this. If a shchiv commands that certain property should be given over to other people, right? A gift. Gifts should be given over to other people. If he recovers and gets better, means he doesn't die and he recovers and he gets he takes back the gifts why does he take back the gifts? I mean even though he doesn't say it outright it's understood that he's only giving it based on the fact that he's about to die but he's not he didn't die so he gets back his property so the Gemara says like this and this is again this is if a person who's dying writes over all of his property to his slave but then he gets healthy he recovers. He is allowed to retract regarding his property, meaning he can take back all of his property. He cannot retract regarding his slave. Means Regarding his slave, his slave is free. Regarding the property that he also had given to his slave in that condition, he gets back. That's the p'sak. Now, why? Chhaizer bin he can retract regarding his property because it's a gift of a Shkhim Mirah. We said the halach of a gift of a Mirah, if the guy gets better, it comes back to him. However, he cannot retract regarding his slave, Shahariyat Love Shaym bin because the name of a Ben chayrin, meaning the slave has already been defined as a free man, once he's been defined as a free person, the master does not have the ability to take him back as a slave but the point is what do you see you see that clearly this same shita rav nachman seems to be passing Palginandibura. and dibura we're splitting up that statement so asks the gemara you're challenging Rava. You seem to paskin like Rabbi Shimon Palgin and Palgin Dibura. You yourself seem to paskin Palgin and Dibura because you see in this case of Shrev Meira, he attains back his property even though the slave is free. So you see that the slave, it is able to be effective on a halfway and not entirely. So you see yourself paskin Palgina Dibura. How can you challenge Rava for holding Palgina Dibura like Rabbi Shimon? So Elah Ravashi, Ravashi says like this. Really the Psak is going to be like Rava says palgin and dibura, we split up statements, meaning you could follow the approach to say when there's one statement made, you split it up into two, and one, is, one could be effective, although the other interpretation of that statement is not. In this machlek, rabbi Shimon and rabbi Meir, it's true, we paskin like rabbi Meir, but that's not because we don't hold palgin and dibura. Really, we do hold palgin and dibura. So what's the reason that we paskin like rabbi Meir and not like rabbi Shimon here? So the Gemara says a chiddush. The reason we possibly like create mayor is because there's a concept that when it comes to a get of an Isha or of an Evid for that matter, there has to be krisos. What does it mean, krisos? There has to be a definite uh, division, a definite cutting off, severance. severance, separation that occurs for that get to be effective. We learn evid from Isha. We're going to... Mentioned this many times throughout this Masahta, La gezer Shava. And therefore, when it comes to a get of an evid, the freeing document of an evid, there has to be a clearly defined separation. So therefore, Ravashi, Sir Ravashi says, Hasam, that Mishnah in Peya, that we pask like Rabair actually, Hainu Taima, what's the reason? It's because it's not a clear, definitive distinction, separation. What does that mean? is that in the case where the person left over some property, he said, I'm giving you all my property to a slave in the document, besides for uh, one piece of land, etc. What he's showing is is that he's leaving something over. He's entering the idea of leaving things over once he leaves things over, there is an understanding that he might be leaving the slave out of it as well. So as to say that he doesn't want the slave to go free, and the only reason, again, he's writing this is to flatter the slave. That's not a clearly defined separation. That's not a really defined Kruis Gita, a clearly defined distinction separating the Ebed as a free man. Therefore, Chiddush, we're saying, Reb would say, that's not a get that's effective for the slave. Now Rabbi Shimon argues on that, but that's the Psaq over there, is that the slave isn't free because it's not a clearly defined get but in general we would paskin Palgina and dibura since we do paskin Palgina and dibura in general in the case of rava if there's this get that was written to the slave with one inclusive statement kol nechasei kenuyin lecha it would be effective for the slave to be free and he doesn't get the property and similarly in the case of shiv once the slave's been freed because he's a free man you can't reacquire him that's effective Nonetheless, the property goes back because you could say plegin and dibura. It's not a problem. So therefore, we've concluded that Rav is upheld he could hold Palgina and dibura. Even though we don't pass the like Rebbe Shimon in that Mishnah and Peya, it's not because we don't pass like in and dibura like for an alter- alternative reason. We pass like Rebbe Mayor. Let's move on. We said in the Mishnah, this is really the last part of our Mishnah, that when a get is brought in Eretz Yisrael, <clears throat> we said you don't have to say funny nechta, funny nechta. Huh? The, I apologize. My, my, my voice is shot. I thought I had strep because my daughter tested positive for strep two days ago. So I assumed that I had strep also just because my thro- throat was hurting. But I tested negative, Baruch Hashem, so... Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Right, whatever. <laughs> anyway. The point is, over here like this. We said in our Mishnah, if a get is brought near to it's Israel. Halacha is, you don't have to say b'faninecht, b'fani We said, according to Raba, because they know the halacha of Lishma, according to Raba, because there's witnesses around to validate it. So we said, what happens if somebody protests later? If there are people protesting, so we should validate it with its signatures. Now, what does that mean? To explain, it means that if people come later and protest the validity of this get, that was brought in Eretz Yisrael, so validate it with the signatures that are in that get. We said either what that means is the Adem that actually are signed in it, identify them, bring them in, and have them tell you, we know that this is acceptable. Or if you have others who recognize those Adem signatures, they can identify them and say, we know who these people are. The Gemara wonders like this, ir or kama? How many people are we talking about that are protesting later? Meaning, again, who's showing up later in protesting? If it means one person is coming later and saying, this get wasn't written properly, or it wasn't lishma, I mean, there's some protest later, this was made up by one individual. The problem with that is, the But Rabbi Yochanan says, everybody agrees, that you can't have a protest that you take seriously if it's anything less than two people. So if one guy would show up later, and say this get was invalid for some reason. We throw him out of court. Doesn't make a difference. So that can't be the pshat. <laughs> oh, hold on. We didn't get that. That's going to be the conclusion. At this point, we're thinking maybe it's just some random person, not not the husband necessarily. It's interesting, by the way. I, I don't see this very often. But Rashi says over here, he doesn't know where Rabbi makes this statement. We just quoted a statement of Rabbi Yochanan. Lo <laughs> yisparish heicha. It's like an interesting thing. Rashi says, I don't know where he says that. So Taisva says, actually, no. It's based on a Gemara in Ksuvis, that he does say the statement. He, he understands that it's based on. Even though over there he says it's also not clear where that's Rashi brought didn't from. Know that no. So it's interesting. Of course, Rashi knew that Gemara, but Rashi probably held that's not the source either. Meaning, this is a Maimra of Rabbi Yochanan. It's not a Mishnah. It's not a Brisa. It's a Maimra of an Amora of Rabbi Yochanan. It's interesting that it's like you don't see Rashi say that very often, but. So anyways, it can't be one because Rabbi Khan says an era of protest can have has to be at least two. So the era tre okay. So maybe two people will show up later and say this wasn't a valid get. The problem is tre nenu. Then it's two versus two. What do you mean two versus two? Because then you have two people saying the document is false. You have two validating the signatures, either the Aiden themselves or others validating their. So then it's two versus two. My chaz is the samachta ahani. Well, who says that you should rely on the people who are validating it? Smoch ahani. Rely on those that are not validating. The way Tysus understands the kasha is when you have two versus two, what ends up happening? That's called ediach kasha. They contradict. You throw them both out of court. But then you're left to the beginning, which means you have a document that's not validated. And then she should be an Eishasish. And you should rely on the fact that she has Cheskas Eishish. So then you have an issue. So how can the two witnesses validating it override the two that are protesting it? The Gemara says, Rather, it must be, what protest are we concerned about that can be over- overridden by two witnesses validating? It's like Dr. Beffler said, where the husband shows up later. Now, the husband is not just an ordinary one person because the husband is the Baldavar. Wow. he's the litigant, he's the one who's involved in this case. So therefore, what the Mishnah is saying is, should the husband show up at a later point, you'll have to validate the signatures. So now we learned actually earlier that when it comes to such a situation where you bring a get in an area that you don't need to say, there is benefit in the shliach nonetheless saying it, because then if the husband shows up later, he doesn't have any power. So there is actually a benefit, even though you're not mechoyev to say it, to nonetheless say it to prevent future accusations. Prevent, prevent, prevent. Exactly. It's exactly. That's the Gemara Mamish says this. You don't have to, but it's a good idea. But if you didn't, you'll have to validate it later. All right. Let's move on to the new Mishnah now. Talk to Mishnah. So we, this is the second Mishnah. of Hashem, we finished the first Mishnah, the Masechta. Moving on to the next. So the Mishnah tells us like this. I get Mimadina Medina Sayam somebody that brings a get in uh, from Teretz from Israel, and he's not able to say So if there are witnesses on it, you should validate them with those signatures, meaning you should either, again, identify the signatures themselves and have those Adem testify, or find other Adem to testify about those signatures. Now the Gemara is going to tell us what it means you can't say it. We'll see that in the Gemara in a moment. But now we're about to introduce... Is, another, is, is really for the next series of Mishnayas, we're going to see similarities between Gitay Nashim and Shechruri Avadim. So Gitay Nashim, we know, are the get, the documents used to divorce a woman. Shechruri Avadim is the document used to free a slave. Now, there are halachas that these are similar. So we're going to start with this Mishnah, and for the next few Mishnayas, we're going to talk about the similarities in halacha between these types of documents. We actually have a gezer shava, la-la me-isha, is that we compare in the Torah, gitin of women and slaves, and there's halachas that go between the two as well. As going to see, is an halachas to Rabbanon as well. So the Mishnah tells us like this, echad gitay nashem, ve'echad shechoror avadim, both Gite nashem and shechoror avadim, shavu, they are similar, lemoylech ulemevi, Regarding Melech and Mevi. Now, Melech we know is when you bring a get from Eretz Yisrael to Chutzel Haaretz and Mevi is Chutzel Haaretz to Eretz Yisrael. In both scenarios, they're the same, that if a shliach brought a get from one to the other, it would be necessary for him to testify. It was written and signed in front of me, both by documents that are divorcing a woman, a get, what we call it in the colloquial, or shechuri avadim, documents of freeing slaves. This is one of the ways that Gitay Nashim and are the same, and we'll go through the next few Mishnayas telling us more ways that they are similar. The Gemara just wonders like this: What do you mean? The Mishnah told us if you bring a get from overseas, you can't say. What do you mean you can't say? What's the case? What does it mean? You're not able to say if it refers to the fact that he was a deaf-mute, meaning the shliach who brought the get was a deaf-mute. Well, that can't be the case because could a cheresh bring a get? But it's not, we're going to learn later in Mishnah of Gimel, tells us everyone is acceptable to bring the get. A cheresh is not kasher to bring the get in the first place. So it can't be that a cheresh brought the get because he's not an acceptable shliach to bring the get in the first place. So the Gemara says, this is a unique scenario we're discussing in our Mishnah. The husband gave the get over to this Shliach, who was a who was not a cherish at the time that it was given to him, when he was competent. And, excuse me, and, and she, he gave it over to the Isha when he was still competent. It only was Nescharish, he became a Cherish after it had already been given over to the Isha. So it's obviously a unique scenario, but in such a case, he can't actually say, faninech, faninech, because he doesn't have Das anymore. So what will have to happen now is you'll validate the Get by using the signatures for validation. Okay. And the Mishnah told us. Raisa says like this. Now the Raisa is about to lay out three similarities between Gite Nashim, the divorce documents for women, and shechori Avadim, the freeing documents for slaves. These three differences, these three similarities, excuse me, are going to parallel the coming Mishnahs. The Mishnahs are going to lay these out as well. So the Raisa says like this. In three ways. Shavu gitei the divorce contracts of women is the same as the freeing documents of slaves. Number one, Shavu and we said this in the prior Mishnah. They are the same regarding Moilachumavi, which means a get that's brought either direction from Hutzlars to Eretzis Royal, or vice versa, the Allah is going to be. They have to say if a Shliach brings it for it to be acceptable. That's number one. Number two, the get kusi. Some interesting halachas here. Any get, which means here a document, any document that has on it an aid kusi, this is any general document that has an aid kusi, kusim were this group of people that were brought into Eretz Yisrael by Sancheirev, Melech Ashur, and throughout Shas we have a debate if these kusim are acceptable, they were gere emes, gere arayos, proper conversion, conversion, it's debated. So the halach is like this. Any document that has an aid kusi, an aide who is one of those people signed inside of it, puzzle, it's invalid, meaning by virtue of having such a witness, the get, the document is invalid. <laughs> Besides for these two types of documents. Now that's a unique thing. Gite and Shachuri Avadim are different, which we'll explain in the coming mishnayos why that is, but ultimately they're acceptable even if you have an aid kusi signed inside of it. We'll see why that is later. Number three. Spoiler, to the base. any documents that are processed in the courts of the Goyim, interesting thing, any general documents that are processed in non-Jewish courts, that are produced in the general court system, even if Goyim are even signed inside of those documents, the documents are actually kosher. Again, Besides for, it's the opposite, if those are processed and signed by Goyim, processed in non-Jewish courts and signed by Goyim, they would be invalid. Now that Rashi explains, really Rashi's explaining, it seems to be based on the Maskana, but the reason Rashi explains for this, why would this be true, this third similarity? What's the difference between Gitin of Nashim and Avadim? that if you have Goyim processed in non-Jewish courts and Goyim signed in it, Puzzle. Other ones are acceptable. It's a very interesting Svar she says. You see, there's a concept of dinah de'malchus dinah. And what's dinah de'malchus dinah? The law of the land abides. We abide by the law of the land. So therefore, like this, goyim are mechuyev in the laws of dinim. One of the things that goyim are bound by bin noach is dinim. So one of the things that dinim requires is setting up a court system, right? So therefore. If a document, a Jewish document, was processed and signed by, in the non Jewish court, signed by Goyim, that is something that they have a shaychas to, because they have a responsibility to set up courts and establish law in the land. So therefore, that document is not inherently problematic, as that is something they have a relation to doing. However, when it comes to Gittin, Divorce of women, that is something that they have no shaykhs to in halacha. And since that's not something they have no shaykhs to in halacha, if they are, it's processed in a non Jewish court and it's signed by them, actually that's something that is completely uh, removed from them, and therefore they're not going to make that a kosher document. Specifically, so therefore, since getting are invalid of a woman, Lala Meisha teaches us the contract of Git'a Vadim would also be invalid. So those are the three similarities we find. That there's a, a comparison between Gite Nashim and And the Gemara just finishes the ba. Regarding Rameir's opinion, there's actually a fourth similarity. Because Rameir holds, if somebody says to a Shliach, give this get to my wife, or this document to free my slave, if he wants to retract regarding both of them, meaning before. The shliach has delivered this to the wife or the slave. Yachser <laughs> divrei Remeir. Remeir holds you could retract by either of them. Now, why does Remeir hold that? So the halacha is, zachin adam shalai You can do something that is a schus for someone even without his knowledge or consent, but you can't bein chavin la'adam adam ela You can't create something that's a negative negative idea for somebody without their consent. Remeir is of the opinion that gittin, both for slaves and wives, are considered something negative. Since they're considered something negative, the moment you appoint a Shliach, he cannot actually represent the one who's accepting it, the Isha or the Evid, un- until they actually receive it. Therefore, it's only going to be effective entirely when it receives when it actually gets to the hands of the Isha or the Evid. Mela, if the person who's sending it, the husband or the master wants to retract until it gets there he could actually retract. Rashi explains here, however, the Rabbanan argue on Rav Neir, and they say when it comes to freeing a slave, it's a schus for the slave to go free. So therefore, if the master hands it over to a shliach, the moment he hands it over, he's already mizake. The Eved, and he can no longer back at Isha, he could still. So therefore, the Rabbanon holds this as a distinction between Avadim and Nashim. Reb Meir holds this as a similarity, so there's a fourth similarity according to Rabbi Meir. As opposed to the Rabbanon, there's only three. So now, in short, we have this b'risa that says there are three ways Gitei, Nashim, and Shechuri Avadim are similar according to the Rabbanon of the Tanakhama. One is that they have to say fine enough, And forget it. is brought either from Eretz Israel to Arts or vice versa. Two is that if there's an aid kusi in it, um, it would be kosher, unlike other Shtarais. And three is if it was processed and signed, processed in non-Jewish courts and signed by goyim, so it would be kosher regarding other documents besides Shukriya Varam and not which are pasul. And Rameir adds a fourth way, which is that you can retract if you send a get with a shaliach to either one. So the Rabbanan who don't agree with that. So the Gemara understands like this is that whenever you give a number for something, there's a reason you're giving the number to exclude something else that you may have thought should be included. So the Gemara asks against Bishlam of the according to the Rabbanan, I understand. So they say there are three ways that Gite and Shechuri Avadim are the same. They highlight. And number three, to exclude the opinion of Reb Meir. Meaning that we don't agree with the fourth way that Reb Meir says, because according to the Ramban, you could retract when it comes to Gite Nashim, not Shechuri Avadim. El, the Meir, But according to Rabbi Meir, that he says that there's a fourth way, what is he coming to exclude? Means, What is the number four saying could not be a similarity between them? To exclude the following case, the Brisa teaches, if you have a scenario where witnesses don't know how to sign. Now, let's say we're talking here about So they don't know how to sign on it. So the halacha is you can create essentially a stencil for them to fill in and then acts as a signature. lahem So you tear for them in the blank paper, which Rashi means learned you can make markers on the blank paper where they should fill in. Um, and then they can fill in the marked area with ink. So the Tanakama's opinion is, this is true both by shechuri abadim and Gite Nashim. So this is a similarity that Remeir is excluding. He says this actually would not be a similarity. As Rabbi seems to say, When is this acceptable? Because there's a Takana Saguna, so we want to be lenient regarding Gite Nashim. So there, if the witnesses don't know how to sign, you can assist them in this way. Avos shechrori avadim, but freeing slave documents, veshar'kol ashtars or all other documents, likras If the witnesses know how to read the contents of the document and sign, they could sign. If they don't, in chaismen they cannot sign. The point is that Reb Meir is the coming lafuke, holds a lafuke the tanakama that this wouldn't be acceptable by by shechrori avadim only by gitei nashim. This would be a distinction between them. And the Gemara just wonders, what's Roshim saying? Kriya mand d'charshmei. says if they know how to read and sign, that's acceptable. The Tanakhama never said anything about reading. So what is that? It's like, Actually, the words of the Tanakhama were lacking because really the Tanakhama holds that there were two Takhanas that were acceptable. And what were those two? First of all, if witnesses don't know how to read the contents of the document, so you can assist them by reading it and then they could sign. And the second takana that the Tanakama said you're allowed to do is, and if they don't know how to sign, you can stencil in an area for them to fill in with ink and that would be acceptable. And again, the Tanakama holds that second takana also would be acceptable for Shachariavadim and Gite Nashim. Ramshim limits it to. And Remeyer's number four is coming to exclude this case that he doesn't hold like the Tanakama. It's only applicable to Gitinashim and not to Okay, let's move on now. The Gemara now analyzes this assumption. We're, we've been assuming in this Brisa that there's only these three ways that it's similar: Gitinashim and Vadim, and a fourth according to Remeyer, But there seems to be an exclusion. There's no other ways that they're similar. So the Gemara is about to challenge a series of questions. That we see there are other similarities. Why are those not included in the list? Lake, uh, are there no other similarities? V'haika, number one. There is a similarity, which is a Mishnah later on the Gimel Madal. If a person says, "Give this get to my wife," Zela Avdi, and this to my Eved and then he dies, Misa can't be given after he died. And uh, the Gemara explains, meaning through Rashi, Ovi Rashi explains, even according to the Rabbanan who say that the shichur of a slave is a s'chus, and certainly that of an isha or sorry and and, and the so since it's a s'chus, the shli achizoch and the husband can the, the owner can no longer back out however in this context the point is is that even though the husband the master cannot back out the slave is only freed when he actually gets the document and since the husband and the, the, the husband and the master in these cases are no longer alive when the get arrives at the hands of the isha or the slave, there's no longer an allowance for that to be effective. The slave is already transferred to ownership of his children. He can't free the slave anymore. And similarly, the isha is a uh, almana. So therefore, the point is, you can't give this get after the husband would die. So this is a similarity. So the Gemara continues and says, and, and the, the Mishnah continues and says, If a person says, give money to a person, and then he passes away. Yitnu l'achar misa, that you could give after death. Rashi explains over here, that's the concept of divresh chimerak, eksuvenu kimisurindamu. That the words of a is as if it's already written and handed over. The Rabbanon established that it should be so effective so that the person who's trying to transfer it doesn't become frustrated, causing him to become even sicker, possibly causing him to die. So we don't want to hasten his death. In order to do that, the Rabbanon said, whatever you say, it's as if it's already been effective. We don't require any other steps. But the point is, is that you do see from the first part of this Mishnah, there's another similarity that you wouldn't give the get to the Isha or the Eved if he attempted to have it given after the fellow dies. So my answer is Kika Tani. When do we teach the cases of the Bryce and the similarities between them? And in the Mishnah, the ensuing Mishnah. Milsa de That's only regarding something that's not applicable to other documents. But Milsa like a Things that are applicable to other documents we haven't included in this similarity because they're not unique similarities to Kitinach and Mishuk Rayavadim. They apply to all of the other documents. Now where is it that this halacha of not giving such a document after death would apply to other documents. So the so, shalach Rav Mishmed Rabbi Avo Rav in the name of Rabbi Yavoh sent the following halacha. Shalach Rav Lazar Lagayler. Rav Lazar sent to the exile to the Jews in Bovel, Mishum Rabbeinu in the name of Rav. Shchiv Mei Rasha Amar Kiss Vitznu Mano Laplani Umeis. So, if a Shchiv Mei says specifically, he says write and give money to Plani and then he passes away. Since he used the word kisvu, so he was emphasizing the fact that he doesn't want to rely on the general law of a shchib meirah, that it's as if it's written and given over, and therefore, ain kais fin noisnin, you're not allowed to write and give it over after his death. Maybe he specifically wanted it to be transferred using Geshtar, shtar, and there's no such thing as a star after death. So the point is, you see that there is a scenario with general documentation that this halacha of not giving after death would also be applicable. That's why this halacha, although it is a similarity between Gitinash and Shechurayavadim, is not taught in the Brisa along with the others. Asks the Gemara. But there's another similarity. Vahika lishma, but they both have to be lishma. Gitinash Mikasavla. We learn La Meisha that Shechurayavadim also has to be done for their sake. That should be a similarity. Like Morris says, Bishlam al-Rabba, you could answer, according to Rabba's Shita, that the entire takana of Mevi, a Mevi get, Hainu Ma'ilachu Mevi, that is based on the principle of Lashma. So essentially, included in the first similarity is this idea of Lashma. El al Kashi, but according to Rabba, the takkanah, Seyyyu Fanech, has nothing to do with Lashma. It's because there's not Adam around to validate it. So why wouldn't it include this similarity between Git and Avadim, as well, in the B'risa, in the Mishnayis? and another question both according to both sheet does you know is the tells us because of is that there can't be something inter interposing between the writing and the giving of the get and therefore if you write your get on something that's attached to the ground or sign it to we, we learned we elsewhere mayor the point is that the get would be invalid, because there's kitzitzah that's in, in interposing between the writing and the giving of the get. So, l'chayra, this mechobar uh, would be an issue by both Gitinash Hashem, and So why isn't that included as well? So the answer is ki to answer these two questions. Ki katani we taught in the b'risa only cases that are puzzle on a rabbinic level. Similarities between and Avadim that are invalid on a rabbinic level. Dairaisa like but those things of Lishma and Mechuber, those are psulim dairaisa. We didn't teach the similarities that are psulim dairaisa. We only taught the, the, the similarities that are psulim drabanan, like the example of saying v'funiach v'funiach. That's a takana drabanan. Asks the Gemara of Har the Vikatani. The Gemara assumes, the, gemara, the case of the get, which is written, this is the third similarity brought, taught in the Braissa, in the non Jewish courts and is signed by Gayim, that's a similarity that's possible on a Diaraisa level. Because, if you go with the opinion of Remeir Ideb Chasim so then when you have witnesses that are Gayim signed in it, it invalidates the document entirely on the Dairaisa level. And yet, that's taught as a similarity in the B'risa. So my answer is Rebbe We're talking about a scenario very interesting. Is that the get was the were actually written by Jews? They were signed in a non-Jewish court, but there was Jews at the Messira, and we're going with the opinion of Rebbe Lazar. The karti. So therefore, on a da'iraisa level, it's actually acceptable because you had the witnesses who saw the transaction. That's acceptable. The fact that you have witnesses inside signed that were puzzle, that's only a rabbinic invalidation because you might come to rely on them later, which could be a problem. But that's not a p'sul so that's a p'sul drabanan. Asks the Gemara. Sefer. The problem is, the mission later on Yudamud Bayes teaches us regarding Erkai in that very case. Tanakama says that it would be invalid when it comes to Gitin and Rabbi Shimon Af eluk shere those are acceptable. Amar Rabbi Zemer, Rabbi Zemer explained Rabbi Shimon's opinion. Yard Rabbi Shimon l'shitase shulba follows Rabbi opinion. Damar edi misira karti, who says that edi misira. Cause the get to be effective. And therefore, even though you have Gaim signed in it, it's still acceptable. But Michal, what does that imply about the Tanakama who says that they're puzzle? The Tanakama, it's Mashma that Tanakama holds not Ede Misir rather he holds like Ramir Ede Chasim and that's the invalidation. And that's a Psul Dairaisa. And yet we're teaching in this Brysa, which seems to go with the Tanakama and now with Rabbi Shimon's opinion, that this is included in the cases. So it must be. We're not just ta- talking about cases that are Psulim on a level, also Dairaisa Soon. So why not include Shema and Mechobar? Turning to Yudah aleph. now the Gemara says, no, really both Hanakam and Rabbi Shimon hold like Rabbi Lazar Khas Chas Edei Karti. And really both of them hold the and Adairaisa level, this should be acceptable But Ika Be'nai Shema hakin. the difference between them is, do we make a Gezeiro Drabonon, even in a scenario to disqualify this when it's Shema move hakin, when there's names of Goyim that are identifiable names of Goyim what does that mean? It means if there's specific names that are signed in that get, that are names of Goyim, would we apply the principle of Meziof Mitoichai that this is something inherently problematic and you'll rely on these names these, these names possibly later? Or do we say, since these names are identifiably Goyim, everybody knows we're not relying on those and really relying on the Ede Mesira, and we're not going to rely on them later? So the Tanakhama says, possibly says we're still geyser, even though they're Eid Shemus Mufhakin of Goyen. Rabbi Shimon says that's not a problem because we're not going to rely on them at a later point. And Rabbi Lazar would concede in this case, this is not considered mezuh mitoichai, and this Eidim Messira would make the get effective, you don't have to make a gezer adraban. So therefore we've resolved that the Tanakhama and the Brisa can be only talking about Psuliman on a level, and therefore, in the case of Eid Shalavi is also only midraban, and that's why we excluded L'Shema and Ask the Gemara the final question Vaha chazara meaning to refute this 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 fara. but chazara is daireisa Meaning the similarity that Rameir brought As the fourth one which was that you can retract by both gitei and b'shechuri avadim that have been sent in the hands of a shliach To be delivered that's certainly a psol because the Torah says you have to give it, it says Vinasan biyada, so either you or your shliach have to deliver it once you Retract! You're disqualifying the shlichas. That's a invalidation on a dairaisa level. The katani, and yet it's included in the brisa. So you see, the brisa does include scenarios that are actually psulam dairaisa. You can't tell me it's only psulam on a rabbinic level. So why doesn't it include the shmon mechuber? So the gemara now retracts and says a different answer. Ella, rather, the reason those cases are not included, and in the three in the brisa are, ki katani milsa delei sabikidushin. We only taught. Halachas that pertain to gitinashim and shechuri that do not pertain to kiddushin. So For example, for example something that does not pertain to kiddushin. Milsa but halachas that do pertain to kiddushin, like lishma and mechuber, like atani, they're not included in the brisa. Asks the Gemara of ha chazara gufoisa but the concept of chazara certainly applies to kiddushin. If he sends a shliach to deliver a uh, uh, star Kedushin, for example, because if Kedushin he retracts, so that would apply by Kedushin, you could retract. So L'Chairet shouldn't be included if the category are things that don't apply to Kedushin. So the like, gemara answers, it's true. You could retract by Kedushin, like by Get shechur and Get Isha. But Bal there is a fundamental distinction regarding Shlichos against her will. The B'Geroshin Isha, <coughs> that regarding gerishin the shliach can be appointed against her will to deliver it, and she has no say in the matter. But although you can make a shliach and retract with that shliach when it comes to kedushin, the shlichus is essentially different because it's not against her will. She could choose to not accept the kedushin or not. So therefore, if fundamentally, the shlichus is different when it comes to gerushin versus kedushin. That's why we included that case in the b'risa, and we did not include the cases of Lashma and mechubr. So therefore, the way we have to now read that into the Brysa is that are the same regarding shlichus of balkarcha, i.e. gerushin, because there it could be done against her will. Now, in those cases, if he wants to retract, he could, according to Reb Meir. As opposed to Kidushin, he could retract, but it's not the same because it's not against her will. So therefore, we've identified the similarities in the Brysa that they're all things that are uniquely not associated with Kidushin. And therefore, we didn't include La and Lashma and Mechuber because those are associated with Kidushin, but it's not necessarily a distinction between things that are diraisa and Rabbon. And we're stopping here at top of Yona Adalif. Israel Shen will pick up with the next Mishnah, continuing this discussion of similarities between Githinash and M'shechure tomorrow. Everybody have a great day.